Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, just quickly, before we jump into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. Now, this is a 12-month online program where you have video training that teaches you everything you need to know about how to do your own PR. You can ask questions on the platform and you can also post your proposed pitches and media releases before sending them to journalists to get my feedback. You also get to jump on a monthly live group call where you can ask whatever questions you want about your business and you can get tailored help from me on anything to do with raising the profile of your brand. So it might be that I look at your website and give you some feedback or how to improve your LinkedIn profile and other marketing and PR topics. So if you'd like to find out more about that, just hop on over to veganbusinessmedia.com and you'll see a link there for Vegans in the Limelight. And now on to the main part of the show. In this episode, I interview Dr. Nadia Pinavea, founder and CEO of Plantable, a food delivery service and nutritional coaching program in New York. Nadia has an undergraduate degree in chemistry from King's College London and a PhD in quantum chemistry from St. Catherine's College in Cambridge. The company launched in 2016 under the name Euphoebe before undergoing a name change and rebrand recently to become Plantable. Plantable is a 28-day program that delivers nutrient-dense plant-based meals to customers' doors along with personalised one-to-one coaching and support by phone or text with a team of coaches. Prior to founding Plantable, Nadia was a managing director at Goldman Sachs in London. She holds the Certificate in Culinary Nutrition from the National Gourmet Institute and lives in Brooklyn with her husband and two children. In this episode, Nadia discusses why she left a high-flying corporate career in finance to start Plantable, how she kicked off the business in the early days by driving a massive food truck around New York City to allow people to pick up their orders, why she changed the name of the company, what the rebranding process entailed and the challenges it posed, the particular way she chooses her team of coaches to hire, how collaborations and partnerships have been instrumental in the success of the business, how she got to appear on the Today Show in the US, which resulted in many new customers, and much more. Here's the interview with Nadia Pinavea from Plantable. Hello, Nadia. Welcome to the show. Hello, Katrina. It's wonderful to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, very excited to hear about your story and your business journey because um, it's quite an interesting one. But let's kick off with the first question that I ask all my guests, which is the why. So why do you do what you're doing? Why have you got Plantable? Oh, gosh. Um, it came out of health and it came from cancer. So the brief story is 
my father died when I was young and my mother died of breast cancer. It's always a bit depressing starts of the story. <laughs> so both my parents died when I was young and um, I moved to the States about 12 years ago to marry a nice American man. And I'm very close to my mother-in-law uh, because I don't have my own parents. And she was diagnosed with kidney cancer about four or five years ago. And I thought, oh, no, not again. And so even though my background was one of science and working in finance, I picked up a book called, uh, written by Dr. Servan Schreiber called The Anti-Cancer Diet, looking for a solution beyond the pending chemotherapy, looking to be helpful, looking for that silver bullet. And it was in that moment that I started to read and learn about how much lifestyle impacts our life and how in particular today's modern diet of highly you know, sugar refined grains and the overconsumption of animal-based products is impacting our health and when I realized that and I realized that on top of that we've got this dependency to, to these highly palatable items the dairy the processed foods the sugar the refined grains the meat um, it became my mission and it changed my career that I wanted to set up a program to help transition people into a more healthy whole food plant-based way of eating Wonderful. I love that. And um, we'll talk about Plantable in a moment, but I just want to pause there for a moment because I know you mentioned you worked in finance. I believe you were actually a managing director at Goldman Sachs, which is obviously a pretty high-flying corporate career. Um, and to give that up to start your own business, obviously quite risky. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about <laughs> kind of how that worked, how that, that transition worked for you and how you made it work? Yeah. Yes. Well, um, so yeah, I started at Goldman. It was my first job straight. I had a I have a PhD in quantum chemistry before oh then. Oh my gosh. Just drop that in there. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a guest say that. So that's the first. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. so um, I remember my, my new boss said, like, you know, can, can I have a month? I said, can I have a few weeks? I said, no, no, we need you to start on Monday. I'm like, okay. So I just literally defended my thesis and then went to go work at Goldman Sachs in London. Um, and I actually. So I left Goldman when I moved to the States to be with my now husband, um, but carried on working in finance. And when at the time of this, this incident that happened with my mother-in-law, I'd actually set up a company called Whitecap. And that was um, about turning around brands that lay within the big um, consumer packaged food company. And on top of this health experience, so by the way, you know, Plantable really found me. Because at the same time that this personal experience was going on professionally with Whitecap, we'd been called in by Unilever to look at SlimFast. Um, Katrina, I'm sure you remember, you know, you know SlimFast, oh, yes. which was yeah. yeah, one of those original weight management kind of shakes. And so on one side, I'm learning about you know, today's modern diet and what it's doing to us, and then the dependence we have to sugar. And then in the meanwhile, on the professional side, we're looking at turning around this this you know slim fast and and I got geeky I got my you know science hat on and I said to my two partners like look I need to understand how this works and this was happening at the same time that I was reading the book and I realized that I got deep into academic studies about weight management um, strategies that eat less move more doesn't work and that filling our body with 200 calories of sugar and fake nutrients is not the solution to good health and so, you know, this all kind of coincided, it hit me. And I said to my partners, I'm really sorry, but I can't turn around this brand. I don't believe in it. And I took six months off and I read every single New York Times 
physician authored bestseller there was and concluded that the solution to a healthy life um, was a nutrient-dense diet, a whole food plant-based diet, and then Plantables was born. I love that. And I love the fact, and we'll, we'll dig into that in a, in a little bit around, because you also have the nutritional coaching um, aspect to it, which I think is yeah. important. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But you originally, and I love that. It's a really wonderful story. I, I love that. And I love that you were brave and honest enough to say, look, I can't help you. I can't turn this brand around. I don't believe in it. Because I think a lot of people wouldn't do that and they would stay with it. And yet something inside them is kind of dying because they're, you know, they're not in line with their values. So I, I love that you were able to, yeah, to, to do that. Yeah. Now you were rich. Yeah, go. Yeah, I was just and the third pillar and was well at the time my children were two and four and I'm despite our fellow British accents I'm actually Italian and and so you know the passion of food has always been important to me you know I love good food and my children two and four were starting to say mommy I want chicken nuggets and hot dogs and the probiotic <laughs> smoothie that has eight teaspoons of sugar and and this <laughs> thought I was going mad. I was like, what am I doing in this country? It's just crazy. <laughs> oh gosh, I love the fact you say it was always like, yeah, your calling found you and, and Plantable found you. Now we're, we're saying Plantable, but originally when you um, launched the company, you actually called it, I think you Phoebe, I hope I've pronounced that right. Tell us. That's right. Oh, did I? Oh good. Oh yay, bonus point for me. Um, so why did you call it your Phoebe and when and why did you decide to change it to Plantable? Well, we called it Euphoebe because my two white cat partners, my two brand partners, um, whereas I said, look, I, I have to walk away. They, they were saying, well, you know, and I was telling them about, you know, my vision. And we made up this word together, the three of us. And Euphoebe was meant to reflect euphoria and you'll feel better, which is oh, how. Oh, wow. I wouldn't, feel, I wouldn't have right? got that. <laughs> no, I know. I but, but that is how people feel when, you know, when you change your diet and you eat well, um, that's how you feel. And so, so that was the genesis of the name. But especially in this country, in the States, it was very hard for people to understand. They couldn't spell it. And so um, we just the bullet and just recently rebranded to plantable which i love i love yeah it does sound good how did you come up with the name plantable then and uh, yeah how did you choose uh, well it was it was difficult finding a name it was very difficult to find a url that that i can imagine you know absolute fortune and wasn't taken um we wanted plants we love the word able because what we're doing is we're enabling people we're giving them power we're taking back you know the power putting the control back in their hands over what they're putting in their plate uh, we also liked it that it could be plan your table as well and so it was just one of those words that we found it was, it was just kind of a stroke of luck because the nice. url existed and um, it was just perfect. And oh, um, I love it. it. I do too. It's great. And it definitely rolls off the tongue um, really nicely. So can you tell us a bit about the rebranding process? So what did that entail? And what were some of the challenges? Because it's always quite difficult if you've got an already established brand to change the name and, and change the branding. So if you could talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. Yeah, it, it was hard. So we actually, um, we did, but we actually, changed a little bit of our visual branding and also at the last kind of minute also changed the name um, the actual catalyst for changing the name is we were recently on the today show and i knew they were going to be talking about this company i thought well if they start talking about you phoebe no one's ever going to understand what it is so that was really our catalyst to say look we've got 
three weeks to get this done. So it, <laughs> wow. was, a, it, it, was, it was a very fast turnaround. Um, it was um, it was a brainstorm. We started with kind of the brainstorming session. What does this company represent? It represents giving people back their power, its control. It's about feeling well. It's about eating more plants. So we had all these kind of names and permutations of those names. And then there was a very painful process of every great idea you have. So, oh, that's a cool name. You look at the URL and that was taken. And then you look at the trademarks and those were taken. One of my investors was very, very focused on that. Because now with the URLs, a lot of people say they put a, a my you know, plantable or the only plantable. But he said, mm. no, you know, we can't have that. You actually need the, the pure URL. So that was that was just, that was difficult. And it was just a lot of staying up late at night and coming up with ideas and putting them into, you know, GoDaddy or those providers until we found a, a bunch, kind of we narrowed it down to five or so that we that we liked. And then you kind of sit on it and think about it. And then, and then just kind of one of them, one of them just says, yep, it's me. It's like a new child. Pick me, pick me. Yeah. And that's what happened with Plantable. It jumped out. And what about with uh, like we had to do the rebranding? Did you have to change the name of the? Obviously, you had to change the name of the company. That so there would have been some legal stuff to deal with, and and like graphic design, all that kind of thing. So, did you have a lot of materials that you had to redesign? Yes, we had everything. So um, last year, we um, we did something I think is quite interesting. Um, we partnered up with a brand incubator agency. So they actually sit at the nexus of food and health. Um, and they were very interested in, in what, you know, Plantable is doing, the, the program that we had. And they said, look, you know, we'd love to work with you. And I said, look, we're a small company. I can't afford your huge fees because these agencies are really, really expensive. Um, and, and and the kind of the, the remit for them was um, help us grow, you know, increase our awareness. And in that, you know, think about, you know, just our, our branding is our messaging, you know, on point, is it correct? Because it is complicated what we're doing. And people think, oh, it's a meal delivery. And as I'm sure we'll go into it, it's much more than that. So as we got into that, um, we decided that the communication had to change. So what I did and knowing, you know, saying, look, I can't, I can't really afford to pay you your fees. We came up with a very innovative structure where I was paying them a far reduced percentage of what their fees were. And based upon certain metrics, they were then ratcheting in equity optionality into the company. So they really wow. are partners. They became you know, part of the team. And so it wasn't like, oh, how many hours have they done? But we were all on the same page, fully focused. And as we were coming into the rebrand, and, and so, yes, we had to completely rebrand every single asset, the website, the packaging, the labels, everything. Um, and we had at one point a team of like 10 people helping us, but it was great because we were all fully aligned. Yeah, no, it's good to know because it is quite, as you, you've just pointed out, it can be expensive to do a whole rebrand, you know, when you've, you've spent all your money, up, you know, doing your original logos and names and, <clears throat> and design and everything. Yeah. So it's just something to be aware of. But that's a very innovative solution you came up with. So uh, thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, no, it's great. The, you know, the agency, they're called Zeus Jones. They're based in Minneapolis. And it was the most, you know, it is the most wonderful experience having all of the resources because there's a lot of parts to it. There's design, there's copy, there's the strategy, there's the website, there's the UX. Uh, you know, it was, it was a really good experience. 
Wonderful. Just going back a little bit then to when you actually first started out, so you first launched um, the company, what were some of your key challenges and how did you handle them? Um, One was, well, the very first thing we did before even launching the company was I did a pilot study because I'd done all this in reading, reading books, academic papers, and wanted to say, well, what really happened Um, when you have when you when you take someone and you change their diet, so they move away from the traditional diet into a whole food plant-based diet. So reducing sugar, switching refined grains for whole grains and swapping out the animal-based protein for plant-based protein. So um, I, would, I actually started the, the idea behind the company in my kitchen and I had 11 people on this pilot study. Um, led by my ex-boss from Goldman Sachs and her team at work uh-huh. and one control person actually ate this way anyway. So we put the people on this 28 journey of, of me doing the cooking in the kitchen. I had a, you know, a bit of help. Um, and then the education and the coaching and just monitored what happened to this group of people. And the results were amazing. They'd come in after that first week and they were all a buzz, right? It was like, did you try the the pasta with the school and you, you try these things it was really delicious and then and then the weight loss started to kick in because even though as we know this isn't about weight loss it's not you know it's turning conventional thinking of calorie restriction on its yeah. head because when you eat a whole food plant-based diet the beauty is freedom you don't have to count calories and so people were just eating this food and then weight was coming off them and they felt great and they looked good and so there was this euphoria in this office so that was kind of one of the first things I did. Um, the second, and then that kind of, then I, I hired my my executive chef. Um, and it's just lots of things, Katrina. It's the, well, how do you find a kitchen? And then you find a kitchen and then you realize you've got all of this regulatory environment. And um, what do we do about packaging? And how do we get the, the food then to the people? So it's a it's a complicated business, but it, um, it was an amazing experience and continues to be yeah. so. So you, you started out kind of in your kitchen. You, and I like the fact that you kind of started off almost with immediate testimonials, like you, you, you really kind of proved the concept and proved the model. Um, but when did, you first started out with the kitchen, and then obviously, I guess, as you upscaled, you had to find like a professional kitchen. Um, yeah. So... I'm, I'm curious about how, because and, and now I think you've, you've kind of got like a, a team. So I'm kind of curious how you've managed to scale that. Like, did you start out, for example, like just delivering to a certain area or did you immediately like start delivering across the whole of the US? I'm just wondering if you did it in stages with your... your we did. Up. We absolutely did it in stages. So the pilot was just done in my kitchen. But the moment we had, you know, the proper business, we found um, a commercial kitchen in, in Brooklyn um, and and then I bought. You know what I did? I bought a spin, Sprinter van truck. Do you know what they are? They're the big kind of you know Mercedes van trucks. And we had it look like we had it made. You know, cut out the the flaps on the side to make it look like a food truck. And what I would do on a Monday, yes, yeah, so it was a Monday. I would basically drive this juggernaut, this monster truck <laughs> around Manhattan and Brooklyn to these pickup points in. Union Square, outside JP Morgan, in Brooklyn Heights, you know, about, we used to cover kind of downtown Manhattan and go, you know, up to, to Midtown, Uptown, and then back down to Brooklyn. And people would come and meet the truck and they would pick up their food from the truck. Oh. Um, and that's how we did it initially. And then, 
And then after that, and this is kind of like the, on the fulfillment side, after that, we started using Uber. Uber used to have a service, like an Uber courier service. So again, we'd still drive the truck around. I can't believe I used to drive this huge <laughs> truck. Actually, the, the men that were on the program, they'd come and meet me in the truck and they'd be really impressed. That I, I was can imagine. <laughs> um, and then we used to use Uber couriers and then Uber stopped doing that. And then we went to local couriers. Um, and then we started to ship nationwide. So after about a year that we'd been in business, we did our first shipment um, to Los Angeles. We did New York, um, California. And then we just started using UPS um, for, for deliveries. Um, one day ground, two day ground, and we used two day air. Um, and that's how, you know, the business has, has grown. Oh. But, it's, you know, there's, there's a logistical part to it. It's, it's not a simple business. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's good that you've, great that you've shared that you did that in stages because often people kind of think, oh, I want to do this and I want to do it now. But it's important, like you say, to, yeah, to kind of do it almost like the, the slower and steady way um, to, to yeah. begin with. So that, that's wonderful. Yeah, I've just got this picture of you in this big van now. <laughs> <laughs> I might send you some photos, actually. Um, you know what was great about it, though, um, was I got to meet with every single client and mm. it would be because again, it, you know, this is a program. It's about reforming habits. It's about helping people, you know, break the new curbings to sugar. And I would see those people come to pick up the meals every week because it's a four week program. And I would get at the end of the first week. So the first week, they, well, the first time they'd come, they'd be like, Oh, I'm a bit nervous about this. I don't know if I'm going to like it. Um, and then the first week would come and they just have this massive smile on their face, like, Oh my God, you know, I feel great. The food tastes great. I'm curved. You know, my sugar's under control. And then you just see them change in front of your eyes and you would just see this elation coming out from them. Um, one thing I didn't mention when you were saying, you know, what were the stages of setting up the business? For me, because of my science background, I always um, came back to the science. And I, I was introduced to a physician, Dr. Human Yagupsido, who's at Well Cornell, who's quite a well-known cardiologist, who says, Nadia, I speak to clients every week. I spend about six or seven hours talking to them about diet or how a plant-based diet improves their, their, their health. And they say, yes, doctor, yes, doctor, and go away. And, and it's just hard to do. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, I'd love you to open up your lab to do blood work. So especially in those early days, in those early kind of first two years, 18 months, we collected blood work for, pa for patients, his patients and, and our customers that went through this program. So not only are we looking kind of, you know, the outside things that get people excited, but we've monitored um, blood sugar, A1C, and how, and, and how that comes down, um, reversing pre-diabetes. We've cured type 2 diabetes in three months. We are taking people off statins because LDL falls like 41 points. Um, you've got the reduction in inflammation. We've tested the microbiome. So that's all been a part of the, I think, an important part for us to build into this company that it's um, – that it's science backing this. It's not just a group of people thinking, oh, this is a good idea. This is backed by science and what oh, it's doing to our body. Wow. And I love that. I'm hearing a lot of collaboration and partnerships um, with the business, which is a, a really good uh, tip as well. Um, now, I want to talk to you a little bit. So obviously, the, the Plantable, like you said, it delivers healthy, whole food, plant-based meals to people for 28 days. And then there's also the nutritional coaching by phone or text for those 28 days. So I've got to be, I'm curious, because when I looked at that, and I, I looked at the kind of the, the costs, which are quite reasonable. I think I saw 
saw on the website anything from 125 to 225 a week for daily meals um, but then they also get this coaching by phone and text and I'm wondering how that is sustainable like are they phoning you every five minutes are they texting you like <laughs> how does that work and how do you make it sustainable by factoring in either your time or if you've got coaches that, that work for you and factoring in yeah. that time and making the business sustainable yeah so there are three components to business. There's the meals, as you said. There's the daily education, which at the moment is through email. So that's completely scalable, right? And then there's the coaching. There's the one-on-one personal coaching. Um, and um, and just to be clear on the pricing, so the meals-only price is $155. And what we're charging for the coaching is set as a one-off $70 charge. So you've got a coach at your disposal, unlimited amount of time. And it's basically going to cost you $70 for 28 days. And actually afterwards, if you want to make use of the coach, you can as well. Though normally, you know, most people after 28 days, they've got it nailed. They don't need the coach anymore. Mm. Um, How do we make it work? It's because we reach out to everyone when they first join and they, you know, they start. But then about 20% of the people or so are really highly engaged and want and use the coach. And here's the interesting thing, Katrina. I mean, one never knows this when you set it up, right? Um, the coach is in demand at night. Uh, it gets to nine or 10 o'clock, and it's particularly for the sugar, Katrina. It's, um, it's the habit, it's the late nighttime eating, it's the going to the fridge, it's the eating the ice cream, it's those bits. And that's why we're there both, you know, truly there physically at the end of, you know, the, the text line or they can, I mean, most, most clients text, but they could call us if they want to. Um, but we're there. But there's also another psychological thing that even if they're not texting, they know the coach is checking in with them at least once a week, at least, you know, every, every few days. And it just keeps people more on track. And in part of that daily education as well, we're also guiding people on, you know, where they are in this journey. So we start off explaining kind of the science of the body, the importance of insulin. Like day two, we talk about the importance of fiber and what it does to the body. Day three is about hydration. You know, when you increase your fiber, you need to increase your your hydration. Then we talk about how to reset habits. And you can't just say, no, 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 I mustn't. We, We talk to people about recognizing the trigger and the brain wants the reward. And so if you just always deny the reward, it's like denying a child everything, keeping saying no, it comes a point they have a tantrum and they'll break down. So you need to reward, but it just has to be a different reward. And training the, the brain again to accept a different reward, the habits are very quickly formed. And so we do, I think, a good job in that daily email education of of preempting where they are in the stage of this journey mm. and, and guiding them, keeping them there, motivated, engaged. Um, yeah. And so the, the coaching is there really to, it's, not everyone uses it 24 7 it's about yeah see 20. that's what i'm thinking like you know if you, i can imagine this poor coach like sitting there and like you know they're kind of a you know they've got all these people kind of constantly texting them and checking them when have they got time to do anything else and they're just making 70 dollars. you see what i mean that's why i guess i was kind of curious how that yeah. kind of works yeah yeah it's it's a, it's there it's available we check in it's there to give you the support and the, and the motivation, um, but not everyone's using it at the same time. Done. And as we scale and grow, uh, because it is, it's driven more kind of early morning and nighttime, we don't need to have those people kind of full time 
um, you know, sat in the office nine till five, but we work with people that have been through the program, um, that are registered dietitians that are happy to also be on call and assigned patients when they when they join or patients and customers and, and help those people out in the evening at nine o'clock. Right, got it. So are they contractors? Because well, you've got quite a large-ish team. Um, are they mainly contractors or on staff employees? Well, at the moment, we're handling it on staff. Um, and if ever we have any specialised needs, we'll bring in people. But as we scale the business, that's how we're going to amplify the coaches and working with people that have worked with us before. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I see this with, you know, when we first started the business with my friends that have done it. Once you've been through the programme, then it's easy for you to become a coach, right? Because once you've then transformed your way of eating, you can help your friends, um, you know, because you give them the guidelines. And so um, there's an informal coaching that takes place because we've grown largely through word of mouth where people go, oh my God, you know, Plantable has changed my life. I've lost 27 pounds and I don't crave sugar anymore and I'm eating really well and I feel great. They then talk to their friends about it and they become that point of contact naturally for their friends as well. Got it. Yeah, because I'm just curious because as we all know, you know, hiring staff, that's quite a key expense for a business. Um, so right. I'm, I'm curious. So when did you kind of know you were ready to, to bring on your staff members and while still keeping the business sustainable? You know, you do it when you have to do it. So, for example, in the kitchen, um, you know, very recently we've um, had an increase, a significant increase in volume, largely driven by, you know, we were on the Today Show. We knew that was coming out. And so, you know, you have to bring on staff. But sometimes there's a little bit of a leap of faith, right, because you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you need to, you know, you need to provision for the business. Um, and and I've also learned another thing that, it's, you know, in those, in it's, it's very important to bring on people that have experience and know what they're doing. So I'll give you some examples. The reason why, you know, our, our food tastes good um, and people love it. And then they come back, you know, after the program, they come back. Why? Because then we become the ease and convenience of really tasty food. And the reason why we have that is because we have an amazing executive chef where we've tried to do things kind of in-house more with contractors Um you, know, you can get lucky and you have good contractors, but sometimes when there's not that ownership um, and you're working with people part-time, you just don't often get the results in the same way. So it's really hard. I mean, the short answer is it's really hard uh, because people are the biggest overhead, but to do something well, you need someone who's done it before and can, and can really help you. And that's when it's worth every penny. Absolutely. Yeah. So just on that, as much as you're comfortable sharing, how have you funded the business? Because you've gone from, like you say, driving around in a, a truck and scaling up and, and now, you know, being on the Today Show and delivering nationally. So I'm just curious, how have you managed to fund that the business along the well, way? Well, the first two years, my, my Goldman Sachs savings <laughs> um, <laughs> were, were put to that. Um, so thank you, Goldman Sachs. Yeah, thanks, Goldman um, Sachs. <laughs> thanks, Goldman, exactly. Um, and, then, um, and then we did last year, we closed a round of financing with a group of investors that are really focused on you know, plant-based eating and sustainability. So it was a great, you know, group of, you know, small group of investors, about three or four investors that really care about the environment. They care about plant-based eating. 
they many of them have come from you know from your roots as well from the you know the animal welfare side um but now i think there's also even more of an awareness towards health and sustainability so it's lovely to have kind of i mean i, I plantable was born out of health but it you know that was initially my filter but it's an amazing thing to have built a company that not just addresses health but actually improves the environment and also you know makes the world a better place for for animals as well at what point did you know you were ready for investment so just out of curiosity um you know i'm always curious when people manage to secure investment which is amazing um how did you know you were ready and what did you have to do to or and to show to get that investment we knew we were ready because to quote einstein i think it's einstein that you compete continue doing the same thing over and over again and expect um you know the definition of madness is to do do something continuously and expect different results yeah and so we'd reached a stage in the business where we were growing by word of mouth but we needed to kind of go into that next phase of growth and that involved a you know as we discussed earlier kind of the rebrand the push kind of a growth activation and i needed some capital to do that Got it. So they, you and had a track record that you could show them that you were a busy business. That's and right. Growing. Yeah, yeah, got that's it. That's right. And, and people do it in different ways. I mean, there are some people that raise money on an idea. You know, they're very brash and bold and they walk in and they go, this is my idea, how I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> um, I was probably a little bit more, well, I want to build it and I want to prove it. I want them, you know, I'm very kind of proof driven. You know, I want the medical data. I want to show what it's doing. I want to understand it. So um, that was my approach um, of mm-hmm. doing it. And and again, I found um, Sebastiano, whom we both know. Um, hello, Seba. Been... We'll just say hello to him hey, in case, in case he listens to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Seba. <laughs> um, so he and I were introduced at the very beginning, and, and he stayed close to me in those first two years. And he said to me at one point, he said, Nadia, you know, I, I didn't think you were going to pull it off because you've got three businesses in one. It's a, it's a food <laughs> company, it's education, it's coaching, but you've really pulled it off. And he was amazing. You know, he came in, he's an investor, and with him introduced me to that amazing crowd of investors that I oh, Fantastic, fantastic. Now, you've mentioned you were on the Today Show, so let's talk a little bit about the marketing and PR side of things. Um, so what are some of the key um, marketing strategies you've used that have been successful in getting people to know about your brand? and turn them into customers? Um, well, the most successful one um, in terms of efficiency was the Today Show. Actually, Chanel Jones, who was the Today Show host, um, was a client. We were introduced oh, by a really? friend. So it wasn't a PR thing or anything. She was just a client. Um, she'd been a client a year ago. Um, she actually, she was introduced because she'd been having tummy disturbances. And also, I think, so that was kind of going on. But then she was, getting ready to go to the Oscars and she'd heard about Plantable and she was introduced to us and she had an amazing experience and she looked gorgeous in a white shimmery dress at the Oscars. I kind of take a little bit of credit for that. Um, and then <laughs> um, kind of 12 months on, it was January this year and I pinged her because she'd said something funny on the Today Show that she had um, a, a kind of a executive coach that was ghosting her. Uh, because she was just a little bit disorganized or something. And, and I pinged and I said, hey, Chanel, how about, you know, I'll be your coach. Let's do it again. <laughs> and she came on and she loved it. And it was actually her colleagues that said, Let, let's talk about, you know, you going plant-based. Oh, um, and it was a wonderful segment because it, it, it came from them. It was really her journey of how this was. She came into our kitchen and we cooked together. 
um, one of the great things that I think comes out of, you know, as we change how we, we influence our children, right? So, you know, we're bringing in more vegetables. For example, she fell in love with the tomato sauce that we make because we blend carrots in it and we put peas in it and it tastes sweet from the carrots naturally. And so children love it. And you combine that with a lentil pasta and, and you've now given a child the most healthy meal. It's full of protein from the lentils. It's got fiber, yeah. it's got vegetables in it. Um, and so that was amazing. We've done some uh, partnerships. We're actually doing a partnership at the moment with Physique 57, which is a kind of bar studio. We've done kind of social media. Our biggest growth up until now has been word of mouth mm. and physician relationships. So um, physicians hear about us. Um, sometimes clients then go tell their internists, their GPs, like, oh my God, you know, I've just done this thing. You have to find out about it. And so we meet with the internist and then they say, actually, this is a great tool to recommend. Oh, I love so that. it's, I can't say it's just one thing. We haven't spent a huge amount on marketing at all, but it's just a series of things. It's events, it's speaking at, at you know, at, at, at gyms and studios and stuff. Brilliant. Um, I love that. And I'm hearing a lot of collaboration with you. You're, you sound like a big partnerships and collaboration person. And I think that's important for people to hear because you, you, it's very difficult to just build a business on your own. You, you, you've got to have you know, that collaboration with people to, to spread the word and, and make it a win-win. So uh, I love that you've, you've shared that. Um, so just wrapping up, um, uh, Nadia, just a bit of advice. So for those, because you've done this, you know, you've had your uh, nine to five or whatever the hours were kind of corporate. <laughs> I'm sure they were longer than that in finance. But for those who are, you know, maybe listening to to the show and perhaps they, they, they're still at their, their nine to five job and they want to start a, a vegan run business, you know, a, a mission driven business. What What's your advice or what's, what are your views on what are the key things they need to do or to take into account before making that leap from employment to running their own business? Well, I think the most important thing is to have, or one of the most important things is to have a real passion and a mission and a drive because it is hard, Katrina. It's really hard. Um, it is, it is fulfilling and satisfying and amazing, but it's also hard. And I think, you know, in those, those days, those, some of those days that are difficult or disappointing or a meeting doesn't go the way you want, um, you need to fall back on something. And for me, it's always the, God, but I just, I love changing people's lives. I love making a difference. I want to change how America eats. Um, and that's what keeps me going. Um, so I think, you know, having a, a kind of a, a strong fundamental desire and a reason to do it is an important thing. Mm. Um, I think it takes stamina. I think, you know, there's this big trend now at the moment. Everything that's, you know, plant-based is, is, is cool and easy. Um, and I don't think it is. You know, it takes it, – it, some people get really lucky and, and, you know, things take off immediately. But, it, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's a journey and it's not as easy. Um, I think financially there's a huge kind of risk there. You know, I, I will not deny that I miss my Goldman Sachs salary and bonus, you know, very, very much. <laughs> Um, but, um, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, and so I think as you're thinking about starting is, you know, what are you doing it for? Where, you know, where do you want to be and have enough kind of resources around you, um, to, to, to kind of give yourself a runway. 
I would also say choose your partner or partners very, very carefully. Um, you know, I think it's easy sometimes to say, oh, let's do this together. And when you start a business, it's like a marriage um, and you want it to work. And so just kind of be careful, date, get engaged and get <laughs> married when you're ready. Nice. I love that. And just finally, then, what's your long term vision, both for yourself and for Plantable? I want Plantable to be the entry point, the, the, the catalyst, the brand that people go to to say, I'm, I'm ready to, to switch how I eat. Um, so I want that to, to, to resonate with people. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity in working with corporates. Um, um, yes. especially in America, U.S. corporate healthcare costs are rising three times at the pace of outpacing inflation by three times. Wow. Um, and they are eroding the profitability. So, you know, there we all are kind of looking at the skirting at the edges, but um, chronic disease is at an all-time high in this country. Um, 50% of all of the population, so that's probably skewed to about 70% of all adults because, you know, if you take some of those children that aren't, don't all have chronic disease, that we're seeing it as well now in children. Um, there's a huge population that has chronic disease. This isn't an, an issue anymore for older people. This is people when they hit their 40s. And I want to, I want to reverse that. And, and again, it goes back to what's my drive. It goes back to the beginning of this conversation. For me, it was, it was cancer. It was health. I was, I'm an older mom. I was quite old. I was almost 40 when I had my first child. And with a catalogue of bad genes, you know, with my, my parents dying early, and I, I'm bracket too. I want to be as around for as long as I possibly can. And for me, there was an awakening when I, when I learned that so much of our destiny is actually in our control. And I want to bring that to people. I want to, I don't want mothers and fathers taken away prematurely uh, because of our lifestyle and what we eat and, and what we put into our bodies. Is, is the most important lifestyle thing and I I want to change that I want people to feel the freedom of eating well because it's not it's not deprivation it's really not when you speak to an ex-smoker no one wishes they were still a smoker huddled outside you know in the freezing yeah. cold you're happy to be free and that's what I want to bring people to. I want Plantable to be the gateway to bring people freedom Wonderful. and bring them into a, a state of well-being and good health. Wonderful. I love that. I can hear your passion. And I think what you've got is quite a unique business because you brought together the, the you know, delivery of the meals to make it as convenient as possible, particularly for people like me. I, I'm virtually allergic to kitchens. Um, you know, I'm not one of those <laughs> vegans that enjoys making food. So I love the fact you're delivering. But also, you're not just leaving people to get on with it. They've got that um, support to you know, get themselves into the habit of doing what they do. So look, you've shared some really wonderful insights and tips, Nadia. It's been a pleasure connecting with you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Katrina, thank you so much for having me. And I hope next time in New you're in New York City, um, you'll come visit me. I, I will be there in a few weeks, actually. I'm coming over for the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo. Oh, brilliant. So, well, I will see you then. I'll bring you some plantable meals. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I love that. All right, I'll see you in New York. <laughs> Thanks again, thank Nadia. You. Bye, Katrina. Bye. Thank you. So that was Nadia Pinavea from Plantable. You can find out more at plantable.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts 
and going to episode 119. Now for some vegan business news highlights. India is holding its first ever vegan conference this year. That's 2019. Vegan India Conference takes place on the 6th to the 7th of July at the Saraya Hotel in New Delhi. Organised by Indian vegan magazine Vegan First and the World Vegan Organisation, the event will feature more than 100 speakers, both local and international, including industry experts, scientific researchers, business owners, doctors and animal advocates. Attendees will also get the chance to visit the Vegan India Expo on day two of the event and get a chance to interact with vendors, distributors, suppliers and business owners while sampling their products. I love that veganism is taking off in this part of the world. If you sell or you plan to sell in this market or you want to find out more, then this event is likely to be worth attending. You can find out more at veganindiaconference.com. And that link is on the show notes page for this episode at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 119. Now, talking of veganism spreading in other parts of the world, culinary website Chef's Pencil has released a study on the rise of veganism in Africa. Using Google Trends data to analyse the search interest level for terms related to veganism, such as vegan recipes, vegan restaurants and more, it found that South Africa ranks first in Africa and 23rd worldwide for veganism popularity. The top cities searching for vegan-related terms were Stellenbosch, Randburg and Cape Town. Now, while no other African nation except for South Africa has a presence on Google's global map for searches about veganism, Google offers an option to display what's called low search volume regions. And these are typically smaller countries or island nations where the volume of searches isn't comparable to the top world countries. So after this filtering, the study found that the island nations of Seychelles, Mauritius and Reunion are among the top five African nations where veganism was most popular over the past 12 months. Namibia also scores very high, ranking in third place in Africa. Again, fantastic to see veganism taking off in non-Western countries. And you can read the full study and see some charts on chefspencil.com. And that link is also on the show notes page for this episode. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.